0: Hey there, Laura here. For the month of August, the podcast team is going to be taking a summer break, but don't worry, there'll still be new episodes each week. For the next four weeks, we are jumping back to share a few of the most viewed sessions from the past Church Mental Health Summits, and I can't wait to share some of these fantastic talks and resources with you. And I'm excited to share that the 2020 Church Mental Health Summit is now open for registration. Over 50 speakers from around the world are coming together to equip the local church to support mental health in their churches and communities. To check out the speakers and to register for this free event, go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com. From Hope Made Strong, this is the Care Ministry Podcast, a show about equipping ministry leaders and transforming communities through care. Supporting those in your church and community not only changes individuals' lives, but it grows and strengthens the church. But we want to do that without burning out. So listen in as we learn about tools, strategies, and resources that will equip your team and strengthen hope. I'm Laura Howe and welcome to the Care Ministry Podcast. The show today is a flashback to one of the top viewed sessions from our 21 Church Mental Health Summit with Rev. Dr. Hilda R. Davis. Rev. Dr. Davis is a licensed professional counselor and believes that wellness is not just an option for her clients, wellness is what God has intended. Through spiritual resources, supportive counseling, and interactive training, Dr. Davis offers a sacred space where the integration of faith and wellness goals lead to flourishing. Her work in local congregations led to the publication of her book for African American women, live healthy and be well, create an action plan. And this book offers biblical stories, meditation and activities that lead to wellness action plan. She also has written a curriculum flourishing in transition that offers a four week study and activities that guide living optimally, despite life changes. And this flourishing and transition is what she shared about at the 2021 summit. One of the first lessons you learn as a supporter is to never assume what people are feeling or needing. (laughs) Early in my career as a social worker, this is embarrassing to share, but I organized a class that would help people learn to cook on a budget with cheap, easily accessible pantry foods that didn't spoil. Now, the intention was to strengthen the skills of those who struggle with food insecurity. And my heart was in the right place. And this might sound okay. But looking back, this absolutely is a cringe worthy moment. Here I was a 20 something year old who just survived university by eating sidekicks and cereal and working a job that would ensure that I never had to worry about access to food and I was talking to those in their 40s and 50s who have spent a lifetime learning how to cook, budget, and survive despite significant barriers and food insecurity. Oh, that was definitely a cringeworthy moment, but thankfully, it only took me one class to see my arrogance. And my second class started off with me asking the participants what they feel would be helpful for them. And they were very gracious in their response and answers. What started off as a class of me teaching them became a recipe exchange and the students became my teachers in couponing and in the rhythms of sales at the different grocery stores nearby. If you don't learn the lesson before you start your support work, then you will be like me and learn very quickly that it is arrogant of you to assume what people need and that you have all the answers. But how often do we do this? All the time, I think. As outsiders, we assume what people must be feeling and what they need. We project onto other people what we would feel in that situation based on our current worldview, forgetting that other people see and experience the world totally different than us. So no matter what project, program, or ministry you are doing, it's important to include those who would be users to inform the planning and development process. Dr. Davis describes this as the first step in building a ministry for older adults, those who flourish in transition. From my limited vantage point of working while raising a family, I would think those who are retired might wanna slow down, do crafts, Bible studies, get together over coffee and snacks. And while those aren't bad because snacks are never bad things, perhaps people might wanna travel or learn new skills or learn more resources to enrich their relationship. So as you consider how to minister and care for the older adults in your church, I would first start by asking them, well, actually, no, I would actually first finish listening to this podcast with Reverend Dr. Davis, and then follow her recommendations, including asking for input in how to care and support older adults in your church. Here is Reverend Dr. Davis.
1: Welcome to Engaging Older Adults Beyond Bingo. Behold, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I believe something new needs to happen in ministry with older adults. I am part of an active and bold community of older adults. This is happening across the country and the world. Boomers and older adults are experiencing new things from society and their church. They're not only experiencing, but they want to expect new things. I know this because older adults are ready to travel, come out of isolation and to begin to experience life in new ways. Many came out of isolation from across the country earlier this month when I spoke at a festival for older adults. I spoke on flourishing in transition, and many older adults are in transition, from retirement to divorces to loss. Older adults, we are in transition, yet we want to know how to flourish. It has been a year of languishing for some, waiting in anxiety for others, yet, We remain fully active, fully engaged, even if it was purely online. This is an opportunity for churches to bring healing and joy to those in their congregations and community who want something new, something bold, and something that fully engages them mentally, spiritually, and physically. Here are suggestions for how to move beyond what you have done in the past, and to do a new thing that will keep older adults engaged and excited about life. You don't have to create a ministry. You can provide programming. But if you want an ongoing ministry, please begin by asking the older adults what they want the ministry called. If they want it called Sassy Seniors, then call it that. However, it may be something that doesn't have senior in the title at all. It may be something new. Just ask. Two, ask about everything, actually. Some will be fine with what is happening now, but some, and you may not be reaching them, want something new. Find out what that is. Listen, listen, listen. 3. Pitch to a grown-up, older adult. Older adults are not just big children. We can actually make decisions and figure things out for ourselves. Just open the door to possibilities. Be willing to be surprised and even shocked. We are still here. We are still living and breathing, and we are still expecting to flourish. Build your communications around flourishing, not fear. Often older adult ministries will have the fire department come in and talk about fire safety. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. However, balance it by having something that tells older adults ways we can continue to live, not ways we can perish. So build your communications around how to help us flourish, and expand your idea of who older adults are. Much of ministry now is geared towards engaging millennials, younger people, and that is exciting. However, I have a friend who started writing her first romance novel at 65, and today she's starting another romance novel, even with sex scenes included, at 70. She's busy pitching her ideas to producers and agents moving forward. Another friend started computer classes at 92 and continues to stay active teaching teenagers at 97. Six, encourage multi-generational activities. I learned so much from my four-year-old granddaughter as she explores her world. Learning is mutual. It is not simply older adults being taught how to program their VCR or their cell phone now by their grandchildren. We both have something to give each other and create opportunities for that type of engagement. Learning needs to be shared between the generation. Seven. Encourage yourself, educate yourself, find out the exciting things happening for yourself by reading blogs by older adults. I wrote in my blog about some friends of mine who are 70 and over and the exciting things they're doing, moving across the country and starting businesses. There are many ways that older adults are continuing to be productive, 70 and beyond, that if you're younger, you may not know actually the type of productive, engaging activities we're doing. I saw an ad in Target inside the store. It covered a wall of a woman in her 80s And she had on athleisure wear. And you could see every wrinkle, but you could also see all the joy on her face. And that helps young people to know that older people, we're not ashamed of our bodies. And neither should you be. Wrinkles are great because we've lived and we've earned them. And eight, and this is the one I'm particularly interested in is provide a forum for discussions. Just to name a few of the type of discussions you can have. How about sexual health and intimacy? Oh yeah, older adults still are interested in sexual health and intimacy. In fact, older adults have a high incidence of sexually transmitted diseases and HIV. That's not something to be proud of, But through education, those figures can come down and it can be sexual health that we learn about rather than having to figure out what to do about sexually transmitted diseases. We want to stay healthy and well in all aspects of our lives. Another opportunity for discussion is how to become an entrepreneur. I continue to have my business as a counselor even now, but I would love to have a discussion about how to grow that business using social media. This is an opportunity for the church. How about a dating site? Why does Match.com have to be the one that older adults go to? Have one in your own church. It can be anonymous make it fun. It doesn't have to be a traditional type of dating site, but older adults need to find ways to build new relationships, particularly if most of the people they know have or are not able to engage anymore. We need to have ways of building new relationships. Offer classes that promote mental and emotional wellness. As a counselor myself, I have clients who are older adults who have experienced loss or who want to have new opportunities to flourish. I have several authors who are older adults who are writing their first books. So it's not always about loss and languishing. We are also interested and engaged in wanting to flourish. And as well as mental and emotional wellness, how about physical wellness? Many churches have exercise classes, but do you go beyond simply exercising? Do you talk about your body? Do you talk about nutrition? How how can you make these classes more holistic? Arrange travel for older adults who may not want to travel with children. So these are just a few of the opportunities. But number one is listening, asking, listening, and asking. And you will find a whole array of opportunities that are beyond bingo. Thank you. Hey, thanks
0: for listening. I hope you were encouraged by this session. I know I certainly was. And I hope you were inspired in how to build community and support the older adults in your church. If you have found this session helpful, then you're going to want to sign up for the next Church Mental Health Summit on October 10th. Registration is free and it gives you access to all 50 talks. Just go to churchmentalhealthsummit.com.
1: Thanks for connecting. Take care.